At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. All right, as always, we have plenty of rational thoughts in the show today, and uh, we just use that as a bumper in case somebody goofs up, which is normally me. Um, welcome to the show, The Author Brand Show. I'm your host, Doug Crow, and you're going to want to take notes, especially today, because we've got a co-host of another show. Um, our, our host is the, uh, he's a co-host of a show called The Real Estate Guys. It's a radio show, and he's been an avid student of economics with a diverse background in business, investing, mortgages, financial services. And he brings unique and practical insights to help entrepreneurial investors grow and protect their wealth and income through real estate and real estate investing. So welcome to the show today, Russell Gray. Russell, how are you? Hey, Doug. Great. Happy to be here. All right. Great. So um, we got about 20, 25 minutes to chat here. Why should people listen to us or you? Well, I think everybody is seeing rising inflation. I think that's been headline all over the place. Anybody that cares about their money has seen that. They've seen rising interest rates and mm -hmm. a lot of doom and gloom projections about what's going on in real estate. And so the question is, is inflation and rising interest rates good or bad for real estate? And what should you do about it? Yes, we'll get to that in a second. Um, we're going to find out if it's good or bad and how we can actually navigate that so we don't get burned like many people did last time. Um, tell me about your background a little bit, Russ. How did you get involved in real estate? Well, uh, you know, like a lot of people, you just kind of realize that real estate is a great place to be. My parents, when I was a teenager, uh, hit that middle age situation where they're frustrated with their day job and they decided to go get their real estate licenses. Mm. And so I took an interest in real estate in high school, took some community college real estate classes, yeah. got out. Uh, went into business, uh, didn't go to college. I didn't have the patience. And I ended up buying a, my first property when I was, I think, just barely 19 years old. Nice. And I didn't even know what I was doing, but I had a mentor and that mm -hmm. mentor was mentoring me in business and sales, but he also encouraged me to become an owner. So uh, eventually opened a company, built a company. So we, we mm -hmm. co-founded a company together and I bought my first property, did all that when I was 19, sold it both when I was 21 uh, and realized that equity was a much better way to make money uh, fast than just, just cash flow. So yeah. uh, not that I don't believe in cash flow because I think that's where equity comes from. The value of a company is its profits and the value of a piece of real estate is its income. But it sure. taught me that you can compress timeframes in wealth building. And so mm -hmm. a few years later, uh, you know, going through some growing pains as a young married man, I yeah. ended up um, buying my first rental property. And uh -huh. uh, I, I, my interest was probably 13%. It was back in yeah. the early yeah. 80s when interest rates yeah. were through the roof. Yeah. And um, started another business and... Uh, then I, I made a fatal error and I sold my real estate to put the money into my business. And I didn't have a, I didn't have a firewall between my investment portfolio and my business. When my business sure. failed, it would take my portfolio with it. It, sure. I did that uh, another time again, and it cost me big time in the great financial crisis. Along the way, I got into the mortgage business, uh -huh. got into mortgage business at the turn of the millennium uh, right. with um, in the year 2000. And in 2001, I went to a seminar I'd heard advertised on a radio show called The Real Estate Guys. And I met there then my current partner and the host of The Real Estate Guys, the founder of The Real Estate Guys, Robert Helms. Uh -huh. And we together began a program we called Investor Mentoring Club. And once a month, we would meet with individual investors. I would right. do financial strategy largely on how do you use mortgages to acquire real estate and create equity? And then how do you optimize that equity to mm -hmm. grow wealth faster. 
Uh, Robert came from the real estate brokerage side and he was, okay. he and his father were active real estate investors. And so they were oh. teaching out of what they knew and did professionally. And we ended up with nearly a thousand people in that mentoring club program. And out of that, we raised millions of dollars and got into real estate development, which we're yeah. still in. Um, right. In 2012, after the GFC, we shut that down, mm. but we did maintain, um, we did maintain uh, our, uh, our development company and we mm -hmm. became the largest real estate developer in the country's tiny country of Belize. And so we still have that project. Nice. We continued to mentor, but we decided to mentor people who were interested in raising money and doing bigger deals. And we've been doing uh -huh. that for 10 years uh -huh. and we're just in 2023 getting to get back to our roots and launch a national investor mentoring club. So that's a little bit about me and my background. Uh -huh. I wanted to be a high school teacher, history teacher and football uh -huh. coach, but I couldn't monetize that life. I no. found a way to take my interest in history and especially economic history sure. and marry it to business and investing and turn it into where I get to teach and coach and also, you know, practice what I preach. So it's uh -huh. a lot of fun and been doing it for a long time. And uh, yeah. Wonderful. Well, we're going to get to the interest rate inflation equation here in a few minutes. Before we do, I want to ask you a question about, and this is all crystal ball stuff, of course. But you and I, you know, similar age, and we've seen plenty of dips and things going on with the dot-com and the 2008 crash and whatnot. Is the upcoming recession going to be of a different nature or will it be similar to past, um, you know, resets? Well, I think we're already in recession if you yeah. use the traditional uh, sure. metrics, and I'm pretty sure yeah. we're going to get our third consecutive quarter of negative GDP yeah. growth. You've got declining real wages, and that's been going on for a long time. This is where right. nominal yeah. wages, the amount of money people make goes up, but the mm -hmm. amount of money they spend to live goes up faster. So they're becoming progressively poorer. That's been going on for a long time. We've yeah. been able to disguise some of that for a long, long time with um, what I call paper wealth or air bubble wealth. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. inflated stocks, inflated real estate on the balance sheet that make you feel rich so you don't save and you spend more maybe than you should, relying upon equity cash outs on real estate or yeah. um, selling stocks at a profit. Uh, sure. Now that people are seeing declining equity and declining stock portfolios, I think that's going to be further downward pressure uh, on the economy and people's ability mm -hmm. to spend uh, on discretionary items anyway. So I think that that'll be okay. a big impact. There are components of cost that go into doing business. Uh, in the past administration, those were being aggressively attacked down mm -hmm. to make it uh, yeah. cheaper, lower okay. interest rates, lower taxes, lower right. regulations, uh, making it easier for companies to repatriate their manufacturing. Uh, you may or not uh, may not like the guy that was the head of that administration, his personality or his style. But at the end of the day, he attacked it like a business person would. Yep. And as a business person, a real estate guy myself, I looked at it, I, I can see exactly what he's doing. And one of the key components was it was a very aggressive energy policy. The new administration came in and day one reversed that energy policy, yep. uh, increased taxes. In fact, we just had record tax receipts, uh, mm -hmm. both as a percentage of GDP and also just in gross dollars siphoned yeah. off of the economy, increased right. regulation, increased interest rates. So all of those things are drags. And then you marry that to, you know, really hyper increased energy. Uh, those yeah. are all big problems. So, right. Uh, but let's take a look at the, like, like the recession of the seventies, definitely uh, energy related, uh, real estate related 2008. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. 
you, you may in the 70s and the, uh, the but the new one I'm, I'm looking at like all the money they printed up and this the people that no one's wanting to work well here's what they have in common yeah. uh at our last investor summit which we did oh. at our resort in belize it was awesome uh, our theme was is this the 70s and we all dressed up in 70s outfits and it was fun yeah. i dressed up as barry gibb and did this whole presentation yeah. um but what happened in the 1970s is the dollar collapsed nixon defaulted on the gold standard august 15th right. 1971 the dollar yeah. collapsed we created a faux energy crisis to yeah. hide yeah. the fact that the dollar was collapsing and energy was becoming more expensive because the dollar mm -hmm. was collapsing. We had not hyperinflation, but we had uh, very high inflation. Yeah. And high inflation creates a, a, a thing called stagflation where you yeah. have the numbers going up, but real productivity going down. If you want, I can, I can, I can give you a, like a, a, a explain to you exactly how that works in the real world. Sure. Uh, and so those are the things that we have in common. We now have a dollar that collapse uh, is collapsing in the real world. Okay. Yeah. Not, not you, you'll, you'll see reports and you'll read about how strong the dollar is, but that's yeah. only compared to other currencies that are falling faster. So the DXY uh -huh. or the Dixie, the index where they measure the strength of the dollar, all the wonks on wall street, they're only yeah. comparing it to other currencies. But if you compare it to energy, if you compare it to rent, if oh, you compare yeah. it to food, it's yeah. weak. So the dollar is weak on Main Street where we all live, and mm -hmm. it's only strong in financial markets based on comparing it to other currencies that are failing faster. Yeah. So you have to understand, you know, who you're listening to and what they're talking about and what their paradigm is. So mm -hmm. we have a weak dollar. Our dollar is collapsing because the Fed, uh, which prints the money, took its balance sheet from the GFC before the yeah. GFC great financial crisis of 2008. They took it from 800 billion to four and a half trillion. Yeah. And some of that leaked out and created inflation. You say, well, yeah, but the prices weren't going up. Well, the prices weren't going up because business people are busy working hard every day to drive the costs down. Mm -hmm. And when you are inflating, you're driving the costs up. And sure. the business people's profit, the gains that they should have been making, the reinvestment that would have occurred, the lower priced products and the abundance and the prosperity that would have been created was all mm -hmm. absorbed by the inflation. But yeah, you didn't okay. see it. You didn't see it in rising prices. So I did a presentation two years ago at our summit when they were all talking about the inflation being transitory. And my hmm. premise was that this was like a giant whale that was building up steam. And when that nose broke the surface of the water, uh -huh. it just wasn't going to pop up and spout off a little. It was going to shoot through the air and make a big, big wave. Uh -huh. And of course, in hindsight, that's exactly what happened. And you could see it coming because the people in charge, I think, don't understand what it's like to be a business person and to drive the no. costs out. No. no. So if you look at your own personal productivity with your computer, mm -hmm. there was a time when you could buy a new computer and it was way faster and the software was way better and you would be able to be so much more productive, but there's a bell curve today. The computers are so fast. The software is so good that you may get a slight gain of productivity, but it's minor and yeah. it almost doesn't justify investing in the new the new equipment or new software. Mm -hmm. Well, if you take that same concept and apply it to the economy overall and say, hey, we've had a lot of technological gains in the internet revolution over the last 10 or 20 years. Huge. Right. right? 
But the result is we've taken the fat part of all those productivity gains and used them. And we're getting incremental yep. gains, but they're minor. Meanwhile, the inflation that was being absorbed by those technological gains has picked up speed. And the divergence between the decrease in productivity and the explosion of money has created inflation in the real world. And it it's a fire hose. It's it's a way bigger problem. And they've realized it. And now they're chasing the problem. Yeah. The challenge is, unlike the 70s, they're not going to be able to do what Paul Volcker, the chairman of the Federal Reserve in the um in the late 70s and early 80s did, which was rise raise interest rates to over 20%, because yeah. to there was we were a net or creditor nation. In other words, we had a strong balance sheet. Our yeah. debt to GDP was about 30%. Now it's about 130%. Yeah. And our consumer and corporate debt was much lower. Right. And the world wasn't full of bonds. Today, when you write raise interest rates, you you burden every facet of society from government to Main Street to mm -hmm. corporate America mm -hmm. with debt service payments that that are a drag on economic activity but even worse when you create higher interest rates all existing bonds that were issued at lower interest rates drop yeah. in value right, and if right. those bonds have been margined and many of them have in other words used as collateral Ooh, yeah, for loans right. then when that hundred thousand dollar bond drops to eighty thousand dollars in value let's say yeah you know, and, and you got a margin call on it, you got to bring cash. So my yeah. theory is the reason we have a strong dollar is because credit markets are collapsing and people are being faced with margin calls and they need to bid on dollars in order to meet those calls. And they're selling any assets they have, including gold, including stocks, whatever they have to mm -hmm. raise the cash to be able to buy bail out their bonds. And just like the great financial crisis of 2008 had mm -hmm. its roots in bonds collapsing these, because of subprime borrowers defaulting, right. subprime borrowers were a subset of mortgage-backed securities, which is a type of bond. And when yeah. those bond values dropped because of a default higher than projected, the margin on those bonds triggered a financial crisis. So the setup for a similar problem today is way worse. It won't come from the mortgage side because mm -hmm. they fixed a lot of that. Okay. It's going to come from other places and it could come from sovereign bonds. In fact, you look at the Bank of England and the Bank of England recently had to come out and do what they call a pivot. They were tightening along with the Federal Reserve and so they were they were raising interest rates and uh, stopping their buying of bonds. So that's quantitative tightening. OK, yeah. that tightens the money. It's the opposite of easing. And they're trying to contain inflation. However, uh -huh. the UK pension funds called them up and said, guys, you just blew up our bond portfolio. <coughs> You've erased all of our equity. We're insolvent and we're going to go out of business and all of the pensioners are going to have zero. Yeah. And that's not going to bode well politically. So the Bank of England said, OK, we're going to print what as much money as it takes and we're going to do a complete 180 and buy back all those bonds. Well, uh -huh. the United States has the same problem. Yeah. In fact, the whole world has this problem. And so it's different than the 70s. Yeah. But the root is the same. And the root is that the, the, the currencies are collapsing. And the it answer is going to be higher interest rates, but the higher interest rate solution can't be met. The energy crisis is fake. It's just designed to hide the fact that the yeah. currency is collapsing. Okay. My opinion. So, uh, that, that's a great expose and uh, makes a lot of sense. 
And the question burning in my mind, everybody else's mind is, okay, what do I do to uh, take care of myself, my family financially? Well, if you look at anything on your balance sheet that has a lot of air on it, and air means that its value is determined yeah. by healthy credit markets, real estate's top of the list. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. So you've got debt coming in from the future that is fueling the purchase price today. Okay. And when those credit markets break or slow down, either the rates rise, which they're doing, or the markets completely break like they did in 2008, that flow of money into the equity jump house, if you will, stops and everything right. starts to deflate. And we're seeing that. I just okay. saw a CBS News article the other day saying they're projecting uh, 2023, 20% decline in real estate values. Of course, if you're a real estate investor, you're like, oh, this is great. We're going to be able to go buy real estate, but you're not going to be able to use mortgages because mortgages are going to be expensive. If you can't afford a mortgage, it's like, okay, we'll buy some property right now with an expensive mortgage. If rates come down, then you're going to get equity and you're going to be able to refinance. If rates go yeah. up, you're going to be glad that you got an affordable mortgage. Sure. If credit markets collapse, you're going to be glad that you used credit when it was available. So there right. aren't very many scenarios where I wouldn't go into a market as long as the fundamental deal itself makes sense. And I'm prepared to stay in that deal for at least 10 years. And of course, real estate's a long-term investment. Right. <clears throat> if I already have equity, then you might use debt to turn the equity, which is bubble, it's, it's unrealized gains mm -hmm. into cash. Yeah. Okay. And then the, the interest that you pay is going to be the premium you pay to be liquid. Now you can offset that because if you take the cash and invest it for income, let's say I borrow out $200,000 at 8%. Mm -hmm. There are mortgage-backed funds, and we've got them on our website, people that do this, where you can get 8 or 9 10 or 12%. But let's just say it's break-even. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you're break-even, if you borrow out at 8 and you invest the proceeds at 8 yeah. now you've converted it from equity to debt. It's no different than a stock investor going, okay, I'm going to get out of my stock portfolio because it's risk off. I'm worried about the stock market coming down and I'm going to go into bonds where at least I know what my principal is. Okay. Okay. The difference is bonds are in trouble right now because of what I described earlier. Yeah. yeah rising yeah. interest rates. So if you right. can't go into bond, you might consider going into gold, but it doesn't <laughs> produce a yield. If you go into a mortgage backed note fund, it's a little bit better. But however you choose to do it, the point is, if you're liquid, then when if if real estate prices were to drop, you already have your equity. Now, you might be underwater, but I don't care if I'm making the payments Then 10 years from now, five years from now, whenever the market sure. recovers, it's fine. And meanwhile, I get the use of the property. If it's rental property, I get the income, I get the tax breaks, but I have the cash and then I can go buy the property next door. And, and this is why it's important, because just like they teach in stock investing, if I have stock worth $100 mm -hmm. and it drops to $50, that's a 50% loss. Right. But to get back to whole, I need a 100% gain from right. the $50. Right. Same thing's yeah. true in real estate. So the fastest way to do it is to double down when it's cheap. So yeah. instead of just letting the house go from here to here and back up to here and you're neutral, if you pull the equity out, and the property goes down, you buy a second property when they go up. Right. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. And, yeah. But but you have to make sure that you manage the cash flow. The great news about real estate is you can go into debt 
And the mm -hmm. properties you buy bring the cash flow and the tax breaks to make the debt service. You just have to pick markets, loan programs, and make sure you have good management in place. So yeah. I would I would do equity hedging strategies right now uh -huh. uh, as an investor. I, I I would prefer to keep my savings excess of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, not mm -hmm. in a bank. Anything yeah. below anything above two fifty is is at risk. Uh, so you and put banks on your mattress, where are you putting it? Well, cash outside the bank is not a bad thing to have if there's yeah. a bank holiday. Uh, you know, that could happen. It's happened in other countries. It could right. happen here. Right. So having some cash outside the bank would be good. Mm -hmm. Having some liquidity outside the dollar would be good. I'm a fan of precious metals. I yeah. think gold mm -hmm. is a, a good a place to sure. store liquidity. It gives yeah. you the ability to pivot back into the dollar if you want to, but you can pivot mm -hmm. into any currency you want. Yeah. You know, I can pivot into euros. I can pivot into um, right. yen. I can pivot into Canadian dollars, Aussie dollars. Right. There's always a bid in any currency on gold. Right. Um, and so one of the things I think Americans need to start to do is think outside the dollar because you've got two yeah. major powers, Russia and China, that are working to de-dollarize. Right. And the right. dollar currency enjoys a lot of absor absorption and float. Uh, mm -hmm. throughout the world because it sits on a lot of sovereign nations balance sheets as reserves yeah. the right. problem is is if the world reserve currency changes then the need for those people to hold those dollars go away and therefore the only place those dollars are good is in yeah. the united states so yeah. they all come back to the united states and if you get yeah. a flood of foreign dollars coming into the united states chasing a limited amount of goods and services you're going to get oh. inflation like you've never seen before and right. there's, I'm not saying that, that that's a probability or that it's going to happen, but I'm saying it could happen. And I mm -hmm. think you need to be prepared for it. A position of precious metals, um, I think, um, protects you or hedges you against some of that. So it's a better place to hold equity on your balance sheet uh, than than money in the bank, in my sure. opinion, or um, or equity in real estate. OK, so economics lessons not completed. I appreciate that. Buy real estate and do it for long, long term. It's going to be the answer, <clears throat> right? I mean, obviously, inflation's your friend, especially if you yeah. look at the history of rents. Rents yeah. have been very sticky. Well, the price of real estate has had some bubbles along the way, and you could make mm -hmm. the argument we're in right now. Yeah. Rents have been very stable since 1940. They've been very smooth. I just did a presentation on this mm. last night. Okay. Showed the chart. It's easy to find. You can go to the St. Louis <clears throat> Federal Reserve website. Put it in. You can see it yourself. Yeah. And compare that to the history of housing prices. You can see that if you're not investing for the price, but you're investing for the income. Yeah. <clears throat> income equity, me, right? It's going to be a much smoother ride. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay. That's great. That's great uh, information and assistance there. So that is that the answer to the, uh, the initial question of what's going on with inflation and interest rates is like, it's going to be messy, but you can still live if you uh, invest wisely for the long term. Yeah. I mean, inflation is going to hurt some and help others. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm yeah. talking about using debt to short the dollar, being on the right side of rent inflation by being a landlord and not a tenant. Mm -hmm. um, if uh, using, you know, debt, like I said, well, it's available prudently and yeah. just ignoring what the interest rate is. Can I make money on the spread? That's all I right. care about. Yeah, uh, and so inflation is not good or bad. It is what it is. And yeah. what you do about it is either good or bad. And the same thing true for interest rate. Interest rates are either good or bad. Right? If you if you think that the interest rates are going to come down, 
and you believe yeah. that's true, that the Fed is going to have to pivot, that they're going to have to ease, that they're going to have to reflate the bubble that they just burst, then the smartest thing you could do would be to use the debt that is available to tie up as much property as you can reasonably control by the cash flow. And when they rate lower interest rates, the price probably will go up and you'll be able to refinance it and improve your cash flow at the same time. Yeah. Warren Buffett said you got to be fearful when others are greedy. Yes. But greedy when others are fearful. And right now, people are afraid of the real estate market and rising interest rates right. um, because they don't know how to play it. But if you think it all the way through and you know how to you know, underwrite your market and you have a real plan for cash flow, don't focus on the price of the property. Focus on the ability to control the debt while the price of the real estate vacillates. Pick up the deals while the prices are low and yeah. trust that inflation in the long term will drive up both the rental income and the 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 value while your debt remains fixed. And that spread between the fixed rate and the price is your equity. Equity happens. That's the yeah. name of our book. Equity happens. Great. Well, let's uh, pr pr uh, promote that. Go ahead and uh, tell us about well, that. The, actually, the book's out of print, so I'm just. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. Well, how about we have the radio link, show. People can listen link, to the show. We talk about this your stuff show, all the yeah. time. Yeah, realestateguysradio.com. Yeah, realestateguysradio.com. We're on every uh, possible you yeah. know outlet you can think of easy to right. find you can send an email to podcast at realestateguysradio.com we'll get you on right. the list easy uh, to listen to us we put out a show you know, three or four times a month so we don't blow you up it's about an hour long interesting guest been doing it since 1997 there's not too many people long in the space That's longer right. than us so uh, we love talking about it as you can tell and yeah. I think we have a little bit to say on it, but these are very interesting times. Yeah, and right. anybody in any audience that cares about their wealth should right. be investing a little bit extra time right now in understanding the underlying economics. You've got the economy, which is people trading, is supply and demand and all of that. You've got the currency, which is uh, the dollar right now and uh -huh. its future. You've got the financial system, which is the banking system and the credit markets, which is largely the bond market. And if you yeah. study and follow those along with energy, you really begin to get a feel for where things are headed. Yep. yep. Very good, man. Russell, thank you for, so much for the uh, the lesson today. I hope I get, I get a, a A or A minus in econ today. So you shared quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, you track pretty well. That's good. Hopefully, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I just encourage people. I didn't know anything about this 10 years ago or 12 yeah. years ago and yeah. or 14 years ago now in 2008 yeah. just really hurt me because I, the macro stuff all, you know, rolled downhill, as they say, yeah, and yeah. Uh, blew me out. And so I made it my mission uh, to spend, you know, the next 10 years really learning it and connecting with people yeah. who know it. And now I just share it and encourage people to study it, too, because you can it. see these things coming. And the sooner yeah. you see them, the quicker you can position yourself, either to take advantage of opportunity or, or to avoid uh, catastrophe. Right. Very good. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. It's uh, realestateguysradio.com. Check it out. Russell, you're a, you're a champion. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Doug. You bet. That concludes our show for today. Make sure you uh, click below for the show notes. He has some great quotes there and uh, some information from Russell, as well as uh, subscribe to our channel and get some free updates and some free goodies. Have a good one.